The text for the reading this day, the sermon this day, is taken from John chapter 18, those verses you heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Barabbas or Jesus? That is the option that was laid before the crowds. Which one do you want to set free? Barabbas or Jesus? Pontius Pilate was in a drama that he wanted nothing to do with. He wanted out of it. He did not want to have to make this decision because he knows Jesus is innocent. He knows that Jesus was brought to him out of jealousy, out of envy. And so he did not want to convict him. But here's the deal. He had to do, for his own sake, as far as he was concerned, he had to do whatever the crowd asked him. Because it was not long before this that there was a riot in Jerusalem, and he had to squash it. When he squashed that riot, he got a letter from Caesar Tiberius. If there is any more problems in Judea, your time will have expired. In other words, you will be executed. And again, he has a situation that a few years earlier, a man named Sejanus, the man who appointed Pilate to reign over Judea, he was found guilty of betrayal. He tried to overthrow the emperor, and so he was executed. Him and his family, and anybody who was a friend of Sejanus, was held in question, such as Pilate. Which is why, as you go a little bit farther along in John, they'll say, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar's. That was a threat. Do what we say, or we're sending a letter to Caesar and you might just be crucified instead. So Pilate is trying to find a way out of this. In the Gospel of Luke, he tried to pass the buck. He sent Jesus on to Herod, hoping that maybe this would be the chance, the moment, that Herod actually does something worthwhile. Herod did nothing. Herod treated Jesus like an amusement attraction and sent him on his way back to Pilate. Pilate had Jesus flogged and beaten to a bloody pulp. Still, that did not appease the crowd. And so he has this last idea. You can he has this tradition. He sets free one person at Passover. Your choice is Barabbas or Jesus. Jesus, you have said, is guilty of sedition, guilty of betrayal, guilty of trying to claim his own kingdom and overthrow Caesar. Here is Barabbas, a man who actually is guilty of that. He actually has committed insurrection. He actually has committed rebellion. 
Everything that they are saying Jesus is guilty of, so is Barabbas. In fact, they likely had a cross ready for him that day. They had nails set aside, and they planned to crucify him that day with the other two. And so he gives the choice between this murdering lunatic and this, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, they say, not this man, but Barabbas. And to Jesus they say, crucify him. One, you can kind of see in the trial of Jesus a pretty good reminder of the dangers of mob justice something that our culture has to deal with quite a bit because, well, cancel culture. If you offend anybody, they'll try to cancel you, shut you down. Even if you did it 10, 15, 20 years ago, they'll come after you. But the bigger story in there, the bigger part is that Barabbas he most definitely was guilty. He definitely deserved death. Because when it says that he was a robber, right there in John, the Greek word that is used there, it's not referring to like, you know, he stole someone's wallet. Not a nice thing to do, but generally we don't execute people over that. And they didn't do that in the time of Jesus either. No, this is a man who was destructive. He was killing people. So, this man is actually guilty. But they insist on Jesus. The nails that were bound for the wrists, for the hands of Barabbas, would go into Jesus' hands instead. The nails that would go into Jesus' feet or going to Barabbas' feet, or going into Jesus's. And yes, if you're wondering, this is, this is what those nails look like. They weren't finishing nails. They're a pretty good size. This is the essence of the gospel. See, you're Barabbas. Now, you haven't murdered anyone, not straightforwardly. But think of the commandments. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet anything that is your neighbor's. Think of all those commandments and all the meanings behind those commandments. And you can see that that is the law that God the Father has set forth. He has hardwired it into our creation, into his creation. This is how his creation functions. And whenever we miss that target, because that's what the word sin literally means, it means to miss the target 
Whenever we follow another law, whenever we break that law, we send his creation on a path that's not to be. We break his creation. We've ruined it. We are in rebellion. You stand guilty before God, our Heavenly Father, just as Barabbas stood guilty before Pilate. The sentencing for Pilate was a crucifixion. Your sentence is death. And not just physical death, but eternal death. That is what comes of our sin, of our rebellion. That is what we deserve. You stand guilty. And I know we like to lessen what we commit. I've used this illustration before, and if anybody watched the sermon for my mom's funeral, I used this illustration. If I could, if I could attach a little speaker right onto your forehead, and every single person could hear the thoughts from your head, how many of you would say yes? And I'm not talking about those silly, goofy thoughts that people might think you're a little nuts. I'm talking about the thoughts you'd be ashamed if anyone ever knew you thought of. That is how deep our sin is. We have sinned in thought, word, and deed. We have not kept the law. And your destination what you deserve is eternal death. You are Barabbas. You stand guilty. But over here is the innocent one. Jesus is the one who is innocent. He has not committed any of those sins in thought, word, or deed. And our God God, our Heavenly Father, says he will take your place. He will go to the cross for you. He will suffer what you ought to suffer. He will be declared guilty. In other words, just as with Barabbas, the guilt, he bared the full guilt of Rebellion of sedition. And yet he was declared innocent. He was let free of it. And the guilt that he bared was placed on Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross that was Barabbas's. So also, the guilt that is yours for every single one of the times that you have broken God's law was lifted off of you and placed on Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for you. Second Corinthians tells us. That means when he was on the cross, he was damned. In the literal meaning of that word, 
To be damned means to be abandoned by God. He was abandoned by God the Father on the cross so that you never would be. And he literally went to hell itself in order to redeem you. The sentence that is yours, he endured. But here's the thought. If you were Barabbas that day, and you were set free. You were destined for this. These in your hands, these in your feet. You were destined to hang upon a cross like that for six hours, but another for a crime that you most definitely committed. And there's another guy there that same day that everyone is claiming he did these things, but he didn't. And instead, he took your nails, he took your cross, he carried it down the road, and he died your death. What would that do to you? What would that do to your life? Would you be grateful? for what he did? Would you change your life? Would you choose, would you end up living differently than you did before? I wish I could tell you that's what Barabbas did. He didn't. In fact, Barabbas was arrested not that long after he was set free because he went right back to what he was doing before. But that is what you've been done. You have been set free. You've been set free from eternal death by the grace of Jesus. By his blood shed on the cross. He suffered everything that is yours. You are free. The innocent is convicted to death the guilty is set free to life. What does that do to you? One would hope that it would change us. One would hope that we would go about our lives and we'd say, not return to our vomit, as scripture would sometimes speak of. But that is what we do. We've been set free from sin. But we still go back again and again and again. We all have our own pet little, little pet sins that we return to again and again. They're different for each of us. But you see, the thing is, Jesus did not just die for some of your sins. He didn't bear the guilt just for some of the sins you have had, committed. He bared the guilt of every single sin you have committed or ever will commit. The ones you have not even done. Which is great. Which is a great comfort. That when you fall into sin, it's not, it's not an if, when 
you fall into sin, you have a place where you can come regularly. You could come and fall before the throne of grace and receive forgiveness and life again and again. And I know what you might be saying, well, I already know that God has forgiven me. I don't need to hear it again. Well, that's just like, well, I already know that such and such loves me. I don't need to hear it again. No, you need to hear it. It means a lot whenever somebody says, I love you. When you hear those words, when you taste it, forgiveness, it is for your strengthening. It is to help you make it through this world. And it is by that grace that he enabled you to live differently. Yes, you are called to go do better. We are not to sin. We are not to sin greatly that grace may abound. How can we continue in sin if we die to it? Paul says. So by the grace of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit, he enabled you to live in him. To live a life that is reflective of the greater love that Christ has had for you. There's a hymn that I kind of, I wanted to pick for this week, for today, but it's going to be sung on Sunday. I didn't want to sing it two services in a row. The name of the hymn is My Song is Love Unknown. It's such, a, I, every, it's always the hymn of the day for the fifth Sunday in Lent, which is when Passion Tide begins. That's when the crosses are going to get veiled. So if you come to church on Sunday or Saturday, the crosses will be veiled. And that light will be shut off until um, the Easter Vigil. Part of the reason, the reason why it's veiled, it's symbolizing that Jesus emptied himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on the cross. So he emptied, he hid his glory in order that he may suffer and die for you. But in that hymn, my song is love unknown, that simple phrase. What does it mean that it's unknown? It means one, that people don't know of it. That this is how much love he has shown that he, will, he willingly, he didn't say, no way, I'm not going to die for this Barabbas. Notice, Jesus did not put up a fight. He didn't say, he deserves it. Don't you know what he's done? Jesus went willingly. The uncomplaining lamb goes, lamb goes forth. Which, by the way, that is, that's the hymn of the day for Palm Sunday. But he showed love even for Barabbas, willing to die for him. Even though Barabbas may not know it. And that is also why it is an unknown love. is because it's a love beyond all fantasy. It is a love that you cannot even begin, we can't even begin to fathom or begin to comprehend that we these nails were yours. The excruciating death that he went through. That is what we deserve, and yet he spared you of it. You deserve rebellion, rejection of God, abandonment from God, 
But he was abandoned for you. That you would not be abandoned in your hour of death. Instead, the angels would come and take you to Abram's bosom. That is unknown love. Barabbas, you are. But in Jesus, God only sees his son. And by the way, do you know what Barabbas means? Bar is Hebrew for son. Abbas means father. Literally means son of the father. See, Jesus took your place so that you may truly be the son of the father. And since you are a son, you are an heir. This is the unknown love for you. That's why Barabbas is in all the Gospels. So that you may see God taking Barabbas' place just as he took yours. He took the nails for you. And as it says on that nail, you are forgiven in his blood. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you the one true faith to life everlasting.